The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Of course, I'm Craig Carton and uh, thrilled to have you with us this Saturday morning. As always, joined by Dan Trelaro. He's, of course, with the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Craig. Good morning. Yes, and uh, joining us today, we found it's been a very powerful segment on this show, is another admitted compulsive gambler, and his name is Harry. Harry, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Craig. I'm well, and good morning, Dan. Harry, let me uh, start right out of the gate. First off, how old are you now? How long did you gamble for, and uh, how long have you been uh, clean? I am 56 years old. I made my last bet on April 27, 2014, a couple of weeks after my 50th birthday, and I made my first bet at the age of 12, so about 38 years I gambled, and I'm approaching seven years of sobriety well, now. Congratulations on that. I, I'm, I'm uh, over just over two years uh, sober uh, or without a wager, so I appreciate the fact that you've, uh, you're working on seven. That's a great accomplishment. What was your uh, game of choice? Was there a singular game? Were you a uh, gambler in all sorts of ways? Uh, how did your gambling manifest itself? What wasn't my game of choice? Uh, in the pathological phase, which took place in pretty much the calendar year 2013, uh, I was self-medicating with dice at the end of a craps table, sitting at the felt of a blackjack table, and basically any sporting event I could lay, lay money on. Uh, they, were the, they were the drugs of choice in the pathological phase. Got it. Uh, how did it start for you? Did it start innocently, like you know, like most guys? They eh, were kids, or you know, someone's got a you know parlay card in school, or you make that first trip to Atlantic City. What was the beginning for you? The beginning was family entertainment on Sunday mornings, NFL Sunday mornings, when I was about twelve or thirteen years old. As a family, we used to make bets, which grew into making bets with a bookmaker which grew into pool and parlay cards. And, you know, the, 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 as you well know, the thing about gambling, it doesn't take one straight path. It ebbs and it flows, but it increases with time. So it started off with sports betting uh, as a teenager. And by the time I was 17, I was going to the casinos regularly. Um, I think I got carded once, but that was a minor incident. Right. And... Uh, uh, I actually wrote my 12th grade senior project on card counting strategies. Wow. So what, one might suggest <laughs> there were early manifestations uh, even before graduating high school. I would say so. One also would uh, know, and I know firsthand, that a very large ego comes along with that. Uh, I would say that there are, there are ego elements personally and professionally. You know, I went on to college. I then went to law school. And I was a a trial attorney in Philadelphia for uh, just short of 25 years. 23 of them, I remember. The last two obliterated in, a, obliterated in a haze of pathological gambling disorder. But you can't be a courtroom trial lawyer without having an ego, and that's part of gambling disorder as well. Yeah, for sure. Talking to Harry, who's a gambling addict, and of course Dan Trelaro. We'll get to Dan here in a second. So you're gambling. It's all right. It's fine. It's something you do. You do it with your family. Or you do it with your buddies. When you look back now with a clean mind and with clarity, 
Was there a moment when you look back and can recognize, uh, wow, this is the kind of time frame in my life when it was getting out of hand? Well, you know, the answer to the question is yes, but I disagree with one thing you just said. Sure. Looking back, I cannot ever say I had a healthy relationship with gambling. I never took anybody else's money. I never stole to gamble. I was never pathological before 2013. But if we're going to be honest here, and you know well that recovery is based on honesty first, I never had a healthy relationship with gambling. But I was, uh, the outside, I was a successful trial lawyer, the home and school president, the Little League umpire, and something went haywire in 2013 when I began going to a casino in Philadelphia four, five, six days a week, Hmm. 10, 11, 12, 13 hours at a time. And I was gambling high stakes, higher stakes than I'd ever gambled before. But what was so different here is gambling disorder had taken control of my mind, my heart, my soul, my conscience. And I wasn't gambling with my own money. I was gambling with money I had access to because people loved me and trusted me as a lawyer and family members loved and trusted me. And I, in the uh, grips of gambling disorder, had access to their money. And I was self-medicating depression, anxiety, fear, the underlying components of most uh, most addictions. Gambling certainly one of them. And my drug of choice was the end of a craps table or the anchor seat of a blackjack table. So and you would borrow money specifically for gambling like these uh, folks in your life gave you money to gamble with, or you borrowed it under the pretense of something else? Yes, yes, and worse. Initially, there was borrowing. Then there were false pretenses. And then ultimately, it came that I was taking money from my attorney escrow account, which is a complete violation of my oath as an attorney, violation of the law, violation of everything I held true and sacred. And I wasn't of right mind. I was a badly impaired individual in the grips of an unrelenting, progressive, and pathological gambling disorder. So, Craig, as you well know, it's not pretty. No, it's, there's nothing pretty about it. So pardon me for being uh, you know, very personal here. Did you, uh, were you disbarred because of it? Did you get caught uh, spending money that wasn't yours to spend? In, uh, I consented to disbarment. I voluntarily presented myself to the authorities. It all culminated, Craig, in April of 2014. Um, I came up with a plan, if you will. You know, there are very few absolutes in life, but if someone in the grips of a uh, pathological gambling disorder tells you they have a plan, you can be pretty rock-solid certain the plan's not a very good one. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my plan was... I marshaled the remaining financial resources I could get from people who trusted me and stories I could tell and places I wasn't supposed to take money. And I went to Atlantic City, New Jersey on a Thursday. And I know that Friday exists because I'm here, fortunate to be on the phone with you and, and with Dan and with your listeners. Um, but I don't remember Friday. What I do remember is that on Saturday, it was time to finish my plan because the plan was I was going to stay down there and gamble at the end of a craps table until I got the money back and fixed this problem, or I wasn't going to leave Atlantic City alive. Wow. And you can be pretty sure how the first part of the plan to try and win the money back went. 
So and let me will. stop you there. So <laughs> you went there with a, I'm sure this is, a, I would think, a rare moment. You went there with a specific goal. There's a number in mind. I got to raise X amount of dollars. I'm going to go down and do what I think I do better than anybody else. I'm going to gamble to get it back. If I get it back, great. Everyone's made whole. If I don't get it back, I don't wake up tomorrow. Craig, the number was too big. There's no way that I had the ability to form the thought as consciously as you just described it. The part that was conscious was, if I can't figure this out, at the, place, the only place that I felt comfortable at that point, the only place I mentally could function was at the end of a craps table. Wow. And if I can't figure it out here, I don't deserve to live anymore. Let me stop you there. Danny, we talk uh, not a lot on this show thus far, but about you know self-harm. And how uh, gambling addiction, unfortunately, has the highest rate of suicide amongst any addiction out there. So this is a story that you're familiar with. If someone's in that spot now, I mean, what, what's the recommendation? What do you do? Well, yeah, and, and suicide is one of those areas that's such a sensitive topic. You know, the, the ideation and then the attempt. Gambling disorder has some of the highest rates of any addiction and for, it's so hard to see it. You know, Harry said so well that he only felt comfortable and he would only be able to solve this issue at the very same place that's causing so many of the issues. So if there's someone that's listening or someone that's going through those thoughts, they need to pick up the phone and talk to someone. It doesn't matter if it's 800 Gambler, if, it, if it's a pastor, if it's a loved one, a friend. It, suicide has such a high stigma attached to it. People are afraid to even say the word suicide. And it's very scary for a lot of people. But until we can get comfortable saying it and talking openly about it, it just continues to linger in someone's mind. And sometimes we don't know until it's too late. Yeah, I, I've lived that. And I'll share my story and, share and talk to Harry about that in a second. But let me just, Harry, bring you back here and back up the truck for one second. Did people in your life recognize that there was something off with you? Was it, you know, coworkers and the law firm, judges, family, you know, I assume you have a, had a family, wife and kids. Did anyone ever come to you and say, hey, there's just something wrong? The One of the things about gambling disorder, boy, are we the world's greatest liars. Yeah. And, uh, and I was able to keep it uh, fairly well concealed. I'm a, you know, ironically, the executives at the casino knew, but they did not at any point in time step in. And if I may just jump on one thing Dan said, I am now a certified gambling counselor. And if anyone listening to this has any feeling that they may do harm to themselves, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. It's a 24-hour suicide prevention line. And I wanted to put that number Yeah, sure. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my story. You know, I, I was on a, a vacation, just my wife and I, no kids, and we were out in a Whistler in British Columbia during the summertime just to get away for like four days. And uh, as we, I, I took a chairlift up, you know, top of the mountain, blah, blah, blah. And on the way down, I was going to jump off the chair. And while I can't tangibly say I wanted to die, I wanted to jump. And I was going to jump. And I got very fortunate. I, I had my phone with me. And I called a friend who uh, talked me down. Uh, so I get it. I know what it's like. So that's why I wondered if uh, prior to you having this uh, night, in 2014, when you were uh, legitimately an all-or-nothing night, you know, if anyone in your life had come to you and recognized that you were off just a little bit, because uh, that, that, that part of it's very personal to me and very scary. 
No, but I did have, uh, I had built the noose that I was going to hang myself with. And I was sitting at a desk looking out at the ocean and the bay from this hotel room window. And I was trying to write a note to my children to explain that which could never be explained. When I had, Craig, similar to what you just described, uh, and what a lot of people in recovery experience, I had this moment in the haze of clarity. It just all of a, from, I don't know where this intervention came from, but fortunately it did, and I'm here because I realized I didn't want to die. Gambling addiction wanted me to die. My disease was done with me. It had taken my heart, my soul, my mind, and my conscience. There was nothing left to extract. It would continue on, and I would be gone. And at that moment, I picked up the phone. I called IS for help. Two friends came and got me out of Atlantic City. And a few days later, I walked into the district attorney's office and told them I have to explain something to you and laid out for them everything that I had done and began the process of taking responsibility for the carnage that I had caused in the grips of this gambling disorder. Talking to Harry and Dan Trelari, we'll take a very quick break. Uh, We'll continue on with this very emotional story. Right here on Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton along with Harry, a fellow gambling addict who's sharing a very uh, personal and emotional story, and Dan Trelauer, the Assistant Executive Director from the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, better known to you guys out there as 800-GAMBLER. And their hotline is open 24-7 and always manned by a staff member. Harry, I want to take you back, um, and I know it's hard to talk about an emotional. Did you write the letter and finish writing the letter? And if you don't mind me asking, what did you say in the letter? I did not finish the letter. I couldn't get through the first paragraph, and I think that's what helped bring the clarity to me. I think something triggered in what I was actually trying to do to say goodbye to my kids. And I, I, uh, having done a lot of work on myself before I enrolled at LaSalle University to become a a professional counselor and a gambling counselor, um, I did a lot of, you know, a lot of work. And I believe that what happened was trying to write that letter reached into a different part of my brain. And I just, I had a moment of clarity. Yeah. The answer to the question is no, I did not. Got it. Um, and I want to just so people understand, uh, and you, 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 uh, you didn't gloss over, but you mentioned it quickly. At the height of the addiction, how many hours would you sit at a table, a craps table, a blackjack table, whatever the case may be, and how many days a week? So people understand, here you are, a successful trial lawyer in Pennsylvania, but the addiction was so strong, you spent how much time uh, in a casino, watching dice get rolled and watching cards get flipped? Four or five days a week, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. It's, I mean, it's crazy, right? It, it is, which is why, you know, now I have dedicated myself to becoming involved in a harm prevention movement because we, we're in a whole new world, Craig. We're talking 2014. There was no legalized sports betting. There were no cell phones and tablets where you could instantly make bets. Right. I want to stop you on that because that's key to this to me. You had to physically get in your car and go somewhere. 
Like you had, you had to take the energy and the time out of your day to travel to go wager. And while you may have even played in some underground games, I don't know, for you to do the majority of your wagering, it meant getting in the car and going somewhere as opposed to today, which is roll over and turn on your phone. Yeah, and because of that, we're entering into an era. You know, in 2013, gambling disorder was recognized as an addiction, full stop. It is an addiction on the same level as drugs and alcohol. As a result, there has to be harm. There is no legalized growth of, ga- legal, growth of legalized gambling without harm, full stop. And what we don't have in this country is a harm prevention model. Last night, I sat and watched Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka in the semifinal. And as part of my work in advocating for harm prevention, I watched on one of the, I won't name the operator uh, unless you tell me I can, I watched on one of the major websites. And with every point in the tennis match, there was wagering. In fact, the odds would change with every serve. And this is not consistent with what the industry likes to call responsible gambling. We need a harm prevention approach, harm prevention public policy. Craig, you and I fell off a cliff. And when you fall off a cliff and you survive, you're left with a binary choice. You either walk away or you do something to try and prevent others from falling off of that same cliff. Danny, let and me I, get let me bring Danny in on that. Danny, what's uh, your take on that personally and kind of officially through uh, the Council on Compulsive Gambling? What's your guys' stance on that? Yeah, that, thank you. And, and Harry, you're so right because what you just highlighted is we're seeing more gambling that was traditionally discontinuous. You know, sports betting in the old days used to be you, you bet some money, you wait a couple hours for an outcome, and you receive a result. It's now taken that because of technology and made it a continuous form of gambling, which makes it even more dangerous. The council is neither for nor against gambling. I always want to be very clear on that. You know, we, we are, our mission is to help the problem gambler as well as the loved ones who might have someone in their family or someone in their life who has a gambling problem. So we're neutral on gambling issues. But our agency is set up to provide resources, referrals, and help and assistance for those who develop a problem because we know a majority of people can gamble responsibly. We've talked about that on the show. But along a continuum, there's also a small percentage of people, and I will argue that that small percentage is probably increasing with more available forms of gambling that are developing a problem. Harry, you know, my, big, my bigger problem is, and I'm with you, you know, I hear commercials on, on our radio station, uh, on my show, you know, for, you know, hey, don't you love wagering on uh, you know, a tennis tournament? No, no one has ever loved wagering on a tennis tournament. But the, the, the marketing, the real come on that bothers me the most is the one where they say, and they all do it, you know, bet a dollar on blank and you're guaranteed to win 100. And what they don't tell you in the fine print is that you can't withdraw that $100 bill uh, with the guarantee, you know, 100 to 1 odds that everyone's going to win, right? So they'll say, they'll say bet a dollar if either team scores a touchdown, completes a pass, takes a shot on goal, like a legitimate guarantee. But they don't tell you during the commercial that that's not your money to take out. You don't have to rebet that money a minimum of four or five times before that money is even potentially going into your pocket. I hate that. 100%. Okay, remember, yep. you're, t- you're talking to a former lawyer who likes to read fine print. It's even worse than that. 
you know, and let me make this very clear. I'm a member of the council. Dan is a friend of mine. The council does God's work, as Dan described it. But it's all focused on the treatment end. I'm actually pro-gambling, but I am pro-ethical, safer gambling. I have formed something called the Ethical Gambling Reform Group, and my mission is to go out and educate both the industry, government, and the public on a harm prevention model. Advertisers on your station advertise a $1,000 free sign-up bonus. You probably don't know that to get that bonus, first you've got to deposit $5,000 just to qualify. Then they release the bonus to you $1 at a time for every $25 you play, which means you have to actually place at risk $25,000 in the first 90 days to get that bonus. That is not ethical. It creates harm because the thing, Craig, that you and I and every one of our brothers and sisters who struggle with gambling disorder have in common, it's not about the money. It's about the action. Yeah, it's people about, don't get that. Like, I got to a point, and I was wagering, it's, it's public you know, public knowledge now, I mean, obscene amounts of money, you know, $30,000 uh, every uh, every round of, uh, of uh, you know, blackjack uh, turn, you know, it's just literally obscene amounts of money. And uh, sadly, it got to the point where winning and losing meant nothing to me. You know, winning millions of dollars, literally millions of dollars in three days, losing a million dollars in eight hours. And I just wanted to play. It's the action. The yeah. action is the, the, the dice, the cards, they're the, they're the evidence of the problem. The action is what the addiction is about. It's not a money disease. It is an action disease. We are self-medicating. For me, it was depression, anxiety, some underlying trauma. And my story is a matter of public record. I took close to $2 million, Craig, of money that didn't belong to me. I will work the rest of my life to try and make this as right as I can. And one way to do it is to try and spread the word of harm prevention, because as gambling grows, if we don't put a harm prevention model in place, lives are going to be lost, families are going to be destroyed, and it's not necessary. From the sounds of it, Harry, you have conquered your demons and uh, are on a uh, righteous path uh, to kind of make good, I think morally it sounds like, and also uh, help someone else uh, from going down the same road that you and I and Danny traveled. Uh, I was blessed in uh, August of 2018 to be accepted at LaSalle University in Philadelphia into their professional counseling program. I work at Karen Treatment Center. I interned at Livingren, and I will soon graduate with a master's in professional counseling. I've become a certified gambling addiction counselor. My goal is to continue in this field, not only treating people, but focusing on education related to harm prevention. Well, I I appreciate your time this morning, and uh, count me in whatever I can do to help your efforts uh, going forward. Consider me a friend and someone, uh, you know, time, speeches, whatever you need. Yeah, I'll be involved as much as I can be, as much as you'd like me to be. And we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, Harry. And blessings to you and your family, Craig. Thank you. Danny, before we get going here, um, listen, it's very powerful. And he's, I don't know that, I don't know if Harry's the rare case, but it's a, it's a good case to hear because he lost everything, but has uh, had the opportunity 
to start getting it back and be able to look himself in the mirror. And that's a good message to send to people out there that are knee deep in it right now as well. Yeah, you know, it's such a powerful story, and I've known Harry for some time, and, and I have a couple of thoughts. You know, Harry said people gamble for action, and people also gamble for, to escape a problem they don't know how to deal with. You know, we, we always say the motivation is not the money. It's either action or escape. And we know a number of people who are escape gamblers because they don't, maybe don't have the right tools or the skills to deal with a problem, or they don't want to handle it yet. But Harry also talks about something that's very close, and, and again, something that you've documented are those suicidal ideations and thoughts. I remember some number of years ago sitting in a recovery meeting, and there was a young man who was struggling. He was really wrestling with gambling addiction, mid-30s, successful, uh, but always would go home to the same environment where there was still gambling going on. And unfortunately, on that, on that night, he did hang himself in the basement of his home. And I'll never forget, it was the next day was 4th of July. It was Independence Day. And when he was talking that night, and I get chills talking about this now, he was talking about freedom from addiction. And, you know, when you, when you think about the thoughts that are going on in some, inside someone's mind, they can get to a really scary place. And, and Harry rightfully provided the phone number for the Suicide Prevention Helpline. You know, talk to someone. If you have a problem, you think you have a problem, even if you don't even know if you, what a problem sounds like, pick up the phone and call. Talk to a trusted individual or loved one. I think it's a great way to end it this morning. Uh, as always, I uh, appreciate uh, your time. I know we're getting close to March. I know what that means uh, in the world of gambling, so we'll start getting into that over the next couple of weeks. Dan Trelaro, it's 800-GAMBLER, and it's the Council on Compulsive Gambling for New Jersey. As always, pal, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Have a great day. You too. So there you have it, another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Next week, a very special guest, but I can't tell you till next week. But you're going to enjoy it for sure. An old friend will stop by and discuss his gambling as well. And I think you'll be entertained and also, uh, I don't know, emotionally moved by the story. Regardless, coming up next, it's Evan Roberts. And then Evan and I together Monday at 2 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your weekend right here on Sports Radio 66, 1019 FM The Fan.